0: This is a BroadPods production.
1: Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.
2: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. This is Broad Radio. For you, by you. Broad Radio. Here for more.
1: Hello and welcome to Broad Radio. I'm Jo Stanley and my co host today is the delightful Bianca Chatfield. Hi, B. So great to be back. It's been a little while
0: but I'm excited yes. to be on Broad Radio this morning.
1: It has been a while. I've got so many amazing women that I share this show with. I find it very difficult to fit you all in with just this one hour a week that we get to do. <laughs> I have big goals of making it much more than one hour a week so you know don't don't relax too much Bianca we'll be seeing you more
0: I do love watching all our other fabulous hosts though I do really enjoy it it's you always learn so much because we come from all different parts of the you know the world in what we do and I just love it it's always a great fun time oh that
1: is so true B. but we cannot say another word without you making your beautiful announcement
0: you've got big news I do. And we posted this on Instagram last night. So my partner Mark and I are having a little baby. Oh. So I am 17 weeks at the moment, which is uh, it's all been going pretty well so far. Um, but yes, very overwhelming making it all public last night. I mean, oh. so much love, which is awesome. But yes, it was very I uh, just like, whoa, it's it's really happening now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's super exciting though, B, and you've got to let us just enjoy someone's good news. This there's not a lot of it out
0: there, so I guess that people just jumped on board and went, Yay! Oh, that's so great, <laughs> <laughs> and I know, and I think because I've always just been super independent and I love kids and I love hanging out with other people's kids but I've probably never really been in a position where I thought oh I'm actually going to have kids myself until probably the last couple of years when Mark and I met and uh, you know it's just been a natural thing for us and we're just super excited for what 2022 is going to bring.
1: Yeah that's awesome well we're very very happy it's the first Broad Radio baby
0: oh Oh. (laughs) (laughs) i'm so excited lots of experienced
1: mamas to help me
0: out once i get there
1: it is true we have a gorgeous show ahead for you abc tv breakfast host lisa miller is going to be joining us she has a memoir released i believe today or maybe tomorrow and it's all basically the behind the scenes of life as a foreign correspondent absolutely fascinating so lisa's joining us first up and also we're going to be learning about innovative housing solutions for women from an amazing organisation called Sharing with Friends and Ambassador for Gene House for Women's Health, Tina McCarthy, who has an amazing organisation called Wheel Women Australia, is going to be joining us to get us moving and on the bike. So a little bit of housekeeping up the top. Please follow, like, subscribe, whatever you're watching us on YouTube or Facebook. We'd love it if you joined our community. That's super helpful for us as we are growing and developing. And if you're watching, we'd love it if you commented and shared your thoughts along the way that's really a massive part of our day and our show we really love it um oh look there's already congratulations coming in on the on facebook there for you be lillian says great to see you back bianca and congratulations we've got a lot huge congratulations coming through there (laughs) People are so happy for you, Bianca. It's lovely. Aww,
0: thank you. I don't uh, even
1: have a belly to show for it yet. Ah, <laughs> uh, that'll come. Don't worry about that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we do love it when you join us via our More To Say survey. It's one question every week. It's a way that we kind of engage with our audience and understand what you're feeling and thinking about the world. Now, next week is Women's Health Week, and we are so excited to be partnering with Jean Hales for Women's Health. We're doing a pop-up show Monday to Friday, 1pm every day and as a part of that our question this week for our more to say poll is this which element of your health worries you most so these are actually the themes that we're doing for the pop-up show fitness and physical health tricky periods sexual health mental health and sleep which actually is the thing that worries you most. If you enter that particular survey, then you go in the running for winning this beautiful Love Your Hands pack from Saba Organics, one of the world's only certified organic products, skincare products. Now, um, Bianca, you're going to be joining us next week for our pop-up show for Gene Hales. You're going to be doing Thursday's
0: show, I believe, which is all about mental health, something you're super passionate about. Yes, I can't wait to explore a little more, to learn some more, um but I just think it's just so just as important as our physical fitness, our mental fitness needs to be a priority, especially in this crazy crazy world that we're living in right now that just even the little tips and tricks that people can do just to help them get through a day in a more positive frame of mind I think is really important. So I can't wait to learn some more about it, Joe.
1: Yeah, it's going to be super exciting to do that next week and we thank Jean House for Women's Health for coming on board as a partner of Broad Radio. We're growing because of the partnerships that we have and it's really critical to us. A Couple of news headlines, it is equal payday today. Do you know what that means B?
0: Well, I'm hoping it means that from now on everyone gets equally paid, is that right? <laughs>
1: that be nice no it's a really important initiative essentially um, the incredibly intelligent people at the um at wajia which is the work gender equality uh, agency in australia they do this calculation that basically allows us to work out how many extra days women have to work past the end of the previous financial year to be paid equally to men and it's 61 days this year Um, So it's not a great thing to celebrate. It's a way of actually highlighting the fact that women across every industry in Australia are paid less than men. And it's going to take 26
0: years for there to be equal pay if we're going at this current rate. That is unbelievable. But you're right. How important is it? The awareness around that too because yes we talk about equal pay but we probably don't realize i don't think how far behind we are in mm. some industries and and to to actually see that it's 61 days extra it's just unbelievable that that still exists in today's age but Far out. We'll all fight the fight as much as we can to make sure that we can get there in quicker than 26 years. Exactly right. I mean,
1: it's, it's, um, it is very much about awareness and demanding what they're saying is we suggest and, and the, the theme this year is what's your pay gap? So they suggest that you go to your organisation and you say, can we do a gender gap, a pay gap audit so that you actually investigate how are people being paid and making sure that it is equal? because somehow systems don't kind of protect that. It should be something that Mm. is actually
0: ticked off every time someone is employed, really. What an important question to ask. I mean, I don't think I've ever thought about going to an organization and asking that question that I was working in, but how important that we actually do ask that question. Mm, Absolutely, I
1: certainly have never done that. And I've always been too scared to ask, am I being Mm. paid the same? But it's your right, it's your right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Other news headlines, Bianca, we've come out of the Super Netball Grand Final on Saturday. Congratulations to the New South Wales Swifts for taking that home. What an exciting game that was.
0: Yeah, it was an exciting game. And New South Wales Swiss have been the most consistent performing team all year. And I know you'll be pleased to know, Joe, they also work with Emma Murray, uh, who is the performance mindfulness coach. She works with all the athletes. And even though that was not a public thing during the season, um, for those who know Emma Murray, you would have heard her before. Um, you, You could tell by the way they talk together. And in the commentary, I get to have... Is listening in on everything that they're saying in their huddles and they would always take a deep breath before they'd step out there on court. And uh, yeah, it was just this moment where I was like, hang on a minute, this isn't the rah, rah, rah you usually hear from like netball teams or footy teams and they're all getting each other up and about. They were actually taking this deep breath. They were talking about how momentum doesn't exist in a game. And, I'm, and I was looking around the crowds and I spotted Emma in the crowd. I was like, there we go. This is exactly Aww. the influence that she has on teams. And um, But, yes, they played really well. Uh, it was it was quite serendipitous in a way to have two New South Wales teams in the grand final. That hasn't happened before recently anyway. And uh, to get a huge win for them by four goals. Um, yeah, it was just a great way to end a season that we never thought we'd actually get to the end of it with what's been happening. So Netball have done a great job just to get to the end of that season and now the New South Wales girls, both teams can finally, I don't actually know if they will make their way home yet from Queensland or if Mm. they'll stay in Queensland, but it's, yeah, it's been a great season and and great to get to the end.
1: Yeah, I, I love seeing the crowds and how excited people are and following it on social media and seeing that there's a real groundswell of support for the sport now they're doing such a great job super netball i think in really growing the sport and i loved this particular tweet from erin delahunty who is a sports journo just really celebrating netball for what it is it's it's a sport built by women for women and of course men are welcome but this game is like no other on the planet because there's no inbuilt glass ceiling and it really got me thinking about how important netball is i am not someone who's ever played a sport bianca it might shock you to know that i I don't feel i don't feel comfortable on a court and certainly balls terrify me (laughs) they always seem to hit me in the head right so i'm the opposite to you i am not a naturally sporty person but The first ball I ever picked up was a netball. And if I ever have played in a team, it's a netball team. And I think that that's given me experiences that no other sport would have given. I've got a real gratitude for it in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And, I mean, for me, it's given me so much more than just being an athlete, like just being surrounded by strong females who have shown me how to do it, shown me I can do anything and really instilled this belief in me because we've we've had this incredible amount of people around us and the, the majority are female that just have you back along the way and will always keep pushing you forward and will always make sure, like, the next generation changes the game and the way the sport is more so than what you know the people have done beforehand and that was always our motto with the Australian netball team is that you've got to leave a legacy and that you leave the dress in a better place than when you found it and it sounds a bit corny but that means so much more than actually about playing the game it's about how we can actually move the sport forward even the equal pay comes up Mm -hmm. in netball as well you know, trying to make sure that netball gets recognised and the girls get rewarded for the amount of effort they're putting in. They are professional athletes. Um, But, yeah, I do love it that netball does support the male game probably not as much as what it does for the female game but at the moment there's only so much money going around but it's just an incredible place to grow um, not just at the elite level as you know in at community level as well it's a place we all feel connected and uh, at the moment without community sport that's probably what everyone's finding the toughest mm. is that you don't have that connection with each other on a weekend where you can just go and chat and be around people and sport is just almost like the vehicle that brings you together not necessarily why you're all there you just love being around people yeah that's true but you
1: know you think about netball like so I was always the person that was brought in when no one else could fill a spot in a team right (laughs) like they'd lost (laughs) half of their team because they've got you know they're sick or they're away or whatever and I'm like I'll get Joe in and I always played wing defense because that's the the position (laughs) you give to play (laughs) The person who can't play always seems to play wing defence, right? That's okay. I'll cop it. But, you know, I played at university. There's been mixed netball and now I was reading about how there's walking netball. So it's kind of a sport that you can take through your life and all your different stages. And it kind of stays with you because of that community,
0: which I just think is super special. Yes, you're right. And look, poor wing defences. They really do cop it. Probably at the lower (laughs) levels, But... At the top level, as a defender, my wing defence was the most important player on the court for me because they would do all the hard work that allowed me to get the glory at the back. So any wing defences out there, don't ever underestimate how important you are to the game. Oh, mate, I was so, fully um,
1: aware. I was aware if the ball got to our defence, like our goal defence, which was you, right? Yeah. I would feel like I had failed in the middle there. Because how did it get down to her? That's not where it's supposed to be. Anyway, look. I'm not scarred. I've been inspired by it. But I, I want to say thank you to all of the netballers out there and to Super Netball for growing the sport because I think it's really important. And uh, yeah, maybe one day we'll see it at the Olympics. That's a whole other conversation. Whoa. We have to yeah. move on because in just a moment we're going to be joined by ABC TV with breakfast host Lisa Miller. That's after. You know, Bianca, I reckon when people host breakfast TV shows, the audience don't always know the full history of the hosts that they love so much on that show and our next guest brings with her an extraordinary level of experience as a foreign correspondent her resume is unbelievable as a journalist and she is much loved host of abc tv breakfast in melbourne and she's brought out now a memoir i believe it launches tomorrow and it's a fantastic read she joins us now hi there lisa miller oh good morning ladies thank you very much congratulations on the book it must feel kind of exciting and a bit nerve-wracking to have it out there
2: oh totally nerve-wracking and it's a bit weird putting it out there in the middle of lockdown not that I want to talk about the c-word at all but Mm. not having sort of friends and family around I mean who is going to drink the rest of my bottle of champagne (laughs) I'm gonna have to drink the whole thing (laughs) there are challenges here with putting out a book (laughs) in lockdown (laughs) <laughs> no, but seriously, I but do also, feel um, anxious.
0: I was oh, going to yeah. say, Lisa, also a huge, a huge bonus because it allows people the time, probably we've got a bit more time on our hands that we've had, to actually read it and get stuck into your story because, as Joe said, we don't often get to know the person that we see on camera as much as when you're interviewing someone. So it's great. I well, great for us to get to know you a little bit better by reading this.
2: Oh, well, thank you very much. I hope that you did feel that way and you feel like you know me a bit more after reading it.
1: You know, so, Lisa, it's kind of behind the scenes in a lot of ways of some of the biggest news events and moments in history, really, from whether it's terrorist attacks or natural disasters or, um, you know, really heartbreaking moments on the world stage. You were there reporting these moments. When you are there... Are you aware that history is happening? Are you sort of cognizant of the magnitude of it? It's a really good question. Sometimes you are,
2: other times you are just trying to meet the next deadline and you're pumping out TV news script and radio news stories and something for the AM or PM program or 7.30, you don't have time to think about it. But I can remember really clearly one moment, it was just after the Brexit vote in the UK and David Cameron came out of Number 10 Downing Street to resign because it had been such an unmitigated failure on his behalf to have led the country towards this referendum that he didn't want to have passed. And I had a young producer who'd just started from Hobart so she'd arrived in London on one of those under 30 visas and was having the sort of a whale of a time she was an awesome journalist but I remember saying to her because she was busy talking to everyone lining up the next live cross and I said just stop for a moment and look at this as David Cameron walked out I said we are watching history happen and we both paused for a moment and I'm so glad we did because the trouble with this job is that you do often rush through it all And it's not until afterwards that you get the momentous sense of it. Another occasion was when we managed to interview Fidel Castro, the former Cuban president in Havana. We chased him around the city for a week. He doesn't make a habit of doing interviews with Western media. And we finally caught up with him. We threw a few questions through our translator in Spanish. And when I walked away, I said, was Fidel Castro like it was just this incredible moment where you think if you had told me when I was 10 years old that I was going to be interviewing Fidel Castro one day through a translator I should hasten to add then I wouldn't have believed you so look I regret that I haven't taken those moments but Joan and Bianca I guess that was the point of having this year where I was not able to go anywhere I was in lockdown Melbourne for most of the time and it made me sit back for the first time and really think about so many of the things that I'd witnessed as a child through the years and what kind of impact it had had in making me
0: who I am today. I want to talk to you Lisa about the impact because you get to witness all these incredible sometimes devastating stories and reading your book You know, you even talk about the amount of times that you are up all night and that you're living in the Australian, you know, time zone because you've got to report back as the foreign correspondent, but you are up all hours and you never know when you're going to get a phone call. So what actual toll does it take on you personally having lived that life?
2: Look, I think physically it takes a toll because you are constantly on high alert. So you never let your body relax Um, There was one year in particular where if the phone rang at any point in the night, it would only have to make the tiniest bit of noise and I would be awake and I would say, what's happened? Because I knew that something would have happened. It was the only reason the phone was ringing and it was always something bad. And it generally involved me rushing to the airport and jumping on a plane to cover a terrorist attack or an earthquake or... Um, a kidnapping from Libya. I mean, it just, you name it, there were so many different stories. So physically, just having that kind of stress level, the cortisol rushing through your body all the time, made you hyper alert. Um, Personally, um, well, speak to my ex-husband and my Mm. (laughs) ex-boyfriend, they can (laughs) probably tell you. I mean, that's the reality of it. It is very hard on the people around you. And You know, it it can be tough. It can be tough.
1: And emotionally there must be a toll when you are witnessing such extraordinary trauma around you. Yeah,
2: there was one time when I was coming back from an earthquake in Italy and, I, you know, this was a, a time where you were using baby wipes to sort of get yourself clean for the week that you are there. It's everything in an earthquake just turns to like a brown dust, even though... Italy has the most amazing colours in its villages and religious emblems. Everything was just a brown dust. And I'd left London a week earlier. My partner had got up with me at 4am when the phone rang. He'd said, oh, there's only 12 dead. I'm going back to bed. I'll see you later for dinner. And I rang him from Heathrow Airport and said, no, there's hundreds dead. I'll see you when I see you. And when I was returning home to London after that assignment, I knew that my partner wasn't going to be there in London because he'd got sick of waiting for me and had gone somewhere else. And I looked at everyone on the plane and I thought there were more people dead in the village I just reported on than there are in this plane. And... It just made me start crying. I am all for crying. I think crying Mm. is a great stress reliever and I am not ashamed or embarrassed about tears, but I can definitely Mm. remember that moment of being on that plane and just the enormity of how many people had died hitting me.
0: And even I imagine the people that you've spoken to and interviewed, you know, so many victims, and victims' families as well. And no doubt, I mean, I, I know I'm often frightened by grief and when you're trying to have those conversations and how do you have them and how do you, you know, make them as empathetic as they can be, what kind of impact has that had on you too? But having to be in those moments that are so intense and there's so much surrounding emotion, how do you handle that as a journalist?
2: Oh, look, I've learnt a lot over the years thanks to the trauma training that a lot of us now get about how to deal with these kinds of stories. I used to wonder whether it was easier for me in Europe because the grief was often in a foreign language and just by putting that other, another layer between me not being able to understand the words, even though I could tell people were so upset, I'd be working with a translator and I think that may have protected me a little bit more like thinking selfishly which I don't want to do Um, in America when I was there and in particular covering the Sandy Hook school shooting when 20 children were killed that uh, it's so hard not to feel the weight of that horror and I think it's made me definitely a more empathetic person. I've always worked on the rule that um, it's one thing to be able to get in a door to get someone to talk to you, to convince them to do the interview, but it's very telling about how you've treated them in that interview and afterwards, whether they'll ever ask you back into their home. And I take that as a bit of pride that people who I have had to interview at some of the lowest moments in their life, have been happy for me to go back four years later, six years later on anniversaries and talk to me again. So, and I think that is something I have learned over the years because I sure as heck, when I was a young police reporter in my early 20s working for a tabloid newspaper, did not have any of those skills about making sure that I wasn't Mm -hmm. leaving more damage on people.
1: I think too, though, as a journalist, there's great... I, I would imagine I've sort of felt this over the years, even in my version of radio. Um, There's great privilege in being able to tell someone's story, um, and do you learn from the these incredible, courageous people who have experienced unimaginable pain? Absolutely, and I'm
2: I'm in awe of their resilience. The mother of one of the children who died in Sandy Hook, Veronique Posner. She's incredible. She had just lost her five-year-old son. Um, she had another daughter, his twin, who survived the shooting at the school and then Veronique campaigned to try and change the gun laws in America. I think learning learning from them and also feeling like what you are doing is worthy and that you are somehow improving things by doing what some people would see as intruding on people's grief but if you come away with it a learning and that's not why i go into it i think that's the benefit it's more that to show others how incredible people can be and also to give them some strength and hopefully some airtime to be able to say the things that they want to say and in veronique's case it was about the gun laws in america
0: and Lisa, this is your book here. We are very privileged to already have a copy of it. And it's it's called Daring to Fly. But very early on, you talk about a fear of flying. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, when you discuss just the courage that you've had throughout to make the decisions that you've made, to go on the journey that you've gone on. Are you one that always, you know, has a fear and think, oh, I've got to get to it. I've got to really be able to break that down. Are you someone that always loves tackling the fears?
2: Well, I do now that I was able to get over the fear of flying and whenever I've spoken about it, people have been so interested and it's one of the reasons that I also wanted to write the book to try and give people um, the impetus to think that they too could get over whatever fear might be um, ailing them because I desperately wanted to be a foreign correspondent but I was involved in a mid-air incident when I was a young reporter and that led to a decade-long fear that was totally debilitating if you'd said to me get on a flight from Brisbane to Sydney in three days time well I would start having diarrhea at Mm. the thought of that I would be so angry I'd be snappy I mean, my fear was off the charts. So how do you how do you take that and turn that person into a foreign correspondent who jumps on planes at a moment's notice? Um, it was actually my husband at the time who eventually said to me, this cannot go on. He had reached the limit of his patience with my fear ruling our lives. And I did a fear of flying course. The best thing they said to me was, you've spent ages building this fear up into this massive monster and it's going to take work and it's going to take time for you to get rid of that fear and i reckon it took about two years from the time i did the course to get to a point where i looked up at the sky and i'd see planes and think oh i can't wait to be on that plane (laughs) whereas before i would just want to vomit and thank god i was not on that plane and because I got over that fear of flying, it then gives you this incredible empowerment and sense that you can do anything. You know, like if I could get over something that absolutely was just destroying my life and my hopes and ambitions and my relationship. So that's why I did the triathlon <laughs> when I couldn't no,
1: swim. Fucking no. <laughs> impressive. You do crazy stuff. <laughs> You're fearless yeah, now. Nothing holds you back. that's a bit that's a bit of the feeling you get
2: when you break through a fear no no I wouldn't say I'm fearless (laughs) I definitely have fears I have fears about jumping in the water in Port Phillip Bay and swimming but I know the feeling that you get when you get through a fear and that feeling is so awesome that it now gives me the drive to break through whatever is stopping me doing something
1: I found that really inspirational, Lisa, because we're in a really fearful time. Like I feel mm. like people are frightened a lot, which then makes them behave in a way where they're perhaps angry or perhaps they're defensive or they attack or, you know, it's, it's a pretty unpleasant time a lot because of fear, I reckon. And I, I was inspired by the notion that you can actually face your fear head on and go, no, I'm, I'm choosing not to play into that right now.
2: Yeah, it took me a while. I was a rain man of plane crashes, don't you worry. <laughs> I mean, I had a producer in Washington, even after I'd moved there, after I'd got my dream job, I was still a little uncertain. And she had a list of planes that she was able to book me on, and we called it the Safe for Lisa flight list (laughs) because there were some budget airlines that uh uh-uh no no I know they've just changed their name because they plowed a jet into the Uh Florida Everglades Uh and she was like I'm learning so much I'm like stick with me I can tell you everything about every bolt that's fallen off every jet anywhere in the world that's how I was Uh was
0: (gasps) how are you finding How are you finding being grounded in Melbourne now that you've got this love of flying again or wanting to fly around and you've done this amazing career of actually probably living out of a suitcase for so long, now that you're hosting ABC News Breakfast, do you find it a bit um, confronting that now that you're grounded in Melbourne and you can't fly around?
2: Look, if I could get to Queensland where all my family are, I'd be happier. But as far as having this job and not having the stress of being woken in the middle of the night to go somewhere and try and find visas and money in a foreign country and, uh, you know, I'm happy not to have that. It was great while I had it but it does take a toll. Um, But look, I think my passport's still valid. I'll be really keen to go overseas (laughs) at some point. But you know what? This is the most stable job I've ever had. I mean, I know the alarm is going to go off at 3 a.m., but I know exactly what I'm doing between 6am and 9am. And I know that I'm going to be going to sleep in my own bed at mm-hmm. night. Yeah. And I would you never know that on any given day as a foreign correspondent. And there's something about that that is reassuring.
1: And also... And know what? No, we're wives.
2: <laughs> no, but can I tell you something? I've I'm just—I'm talking to you after having come home from the studio, and I walked into the bathroom, and there are six open packets of contact contact lenses, and I thought, "What, what was that about?" And I remembered at three o'clock this morning, I put in one set of contact lenses, and then later like 10 minutes later, put in another set and then thought, oh, my God, I'm going blind. I can't see anything. (laughs) And then I was scratching the contact lenses out, have destroyed four contact lenses and then eventually put in another pair. So it took me six contact lenses to deliver
1: ABC News breakfast this morning. (laughs) Wow. Such is your commitment to that show and an audience who absolutely love you, Lisa. It must be really lovely to have that connection and conversation with your audience every day. It's
2: lovely. It is lovely. I love it when people stop me on the street. I love it when people write in and tell me things about their kids and dogs and family and partners. It makes us, all of us on the team, We get on so well. We're such a wonderful brekkie family and it makes us feel great that people feel that they want us in their homes or on their phones if they're commuting in the morning as well because it's a very intimate space to have these people sort of chatting to you and as they're sitting at their table with their muesli and all the rest of it. Uh, I love that, that they want us there
1: yeah well it is it's lovely to see there and and the book is awesome do head out and grab yourself a copy daring to fly it's um it's really inspirational and so such fascinating reading as well if you're interested in the history of like all the biggest events basically uh that we've Mm -hmm. seen on our front pages lisa miller thank you so much for joining us on broad radio it was so lovely to have you thank you joe thank you bianca it's been great